Running with Jake, the podcast. On this episode... Ultra running wasn't really... It was a thing, but it was for weird people, you know? <laughs> Skinny men with long hair. Sort of, <laughs> you know, it was yeah. like what weird people did, or people who just weren't very fast. Running with Jake, the podcast. Because every runner needs the occasional plot, and here's your host, Jake Lowe. Which, which episode number is this? Um, episode number is one 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 three. Do we normally worry about episode numbers? No, not always. It's a little bit random, I must admit. But I'm just thinking maybe I should mention the episode number today with today's guest being an ex-presenter of Marathon Talk, the podcast, the running podcast that's been around forever. I know. It's no longer about, though, is it? I, I suppose they do mention their their numbers, don't they? So if, if you are an ex-Marathon Talk um, podcast listener, uh, then you're really going to enjoy the person we speak to today. Uh, Holly uh, will be on very soon. And also, hopefully you're feeling a little bit more at home now because we did indeed tell you a number because obviously Marathon Talk do that and they know what they're doing. There you go. We've set the tone for the show. Stay with us. We've got a great guest today. As you mentioned, Pete, we've got Holly Stables on. Get into a great chat with Holly. And again, once again, oh man, I've gone and done it, haven't I? I've gone and allowed myself to be flipping influenced by our guests. I did, this happens every single week. What have you done? What have you done? Oh, well... I, have you got Have you got wildly into uh, strength training? No, well, not exactly. I mean, I do love the strength training anyway, and Holly is definitely a great advert for strength training. She loves it. Mm. But I, as soon as we finished recording the, uh, the call with Holly, I was straight on Google, and I was looking at the Pisa Marathon. I was looking at the Pisa Marathon. I couldn't help myself. I just, it's like my hands just, they just started typing. Pisa. Uh, she's all for it. She loved it. I love recommendations. And again, being flipping influenced. I can't believe it. How's your running going at the moment anyway? Oh, right. I see. You're asking me about my running. Just You never. Well, you very rarely ask me about my running. I'm trying to make the ex-marathon talk listeners feel at home because those guys on that show, they ask each other about their running, don't they? So well, I thought I'd ask you the same. I mean, don't get me wrong, Jake. I don't care about your running. <laughs> I'm just doing it to make our new listeners feel at home. Well, look, let's just remind people that you were, and I say were, past tense there, the non-running guy of the show. You you didn't run when we first started the Running with Jake podcast, your weekly dose of running motivation, whereas now you do. We've turned you to the dark side, or the bright side, as I like to call it, <laughs> and you are taking part in the Manchester Marathon Relay. So 10K is part of a team. You're going to be doing that in April. Very exciting. But I'm noticing a change in you, Peter. Yes, I am, sir. I'm noticing a bit of a change. For a start, asking me about my running you don't normally do that whether you're interested or not and that's because you're slowly morphing into a running guy this is a this is good to see i'm pretty sure i can do whatever training sessions you set me running wise go for a little run kind of almost enjoy it at times and still not be a running guy can't i because non-running guy that's my brand jake what am i supposed to do if the non-running guy starts running i'll be lying to myself i'll be lying to everybody well, just to bring things back down to earth a little bit, and I do think you do need to be a little bit careful because soon you will be influenced by our guest, like Holly, and she influenced me. But I'm now kind of casually coaching you, I think it's fair to say. We, I use the Training Peaks platform to coach my runners. It's a great platform. It gives me all the data and metrics and numbers and detail. I can see everything. But I do ask, because actually with coaching, a very important piece of the jigsaw is that communication. I need to, I need my runners to fill in the blanks of things that I can't see. So how are they feeling? I can see where they ran and their heart rate and pace. I don't know if they're just feeling a bit stressed on that day or if uh, there were a number of dog walkers that got in their way and, and, uh, 
and cause them to have complications on a run. That kind of stuff. So you are now, I'm setting your sessions, keeping them quite simple. You're feeding back the sessions. I just, it's great to see you add the post session comments. So that's good that you're feeding things back, Pete. But I just think we need to have a little bit of a chat about the kind of information you put in your comments. I can't even remember what information I put in the comments, to be honest, because that was a post-run thing, and I was there at the computer, sweating all over the screen, sweating all over the keyboard, and feeling like I was dying, to be what? honest. So I can't even remember. It was, it was raw. I'm sure it was raw. It was. Because it was. <laughs> it was so windy. It was so windy yesterday. And I, and I was going to go out for a run first thing, but as it turned out, what I was doing first thing is I was hauling the neighbour's tree that fell over in the night off my car and back onto his driveway <laughs> so i was in a bad frame of mind anyway it was windy and and think there's many people listening to the show now that can completely relate to that the running in gusty weather is just not the best because you can't even get into a rhythm oh. it's battering you from left right and center i end up kicking my own ankle if there's a crosswind which is really frustrating <laughs> so it's not the best and everybody's having to deal with it but your opening statement was was fairly colorful to put it mildly uh f- that f***ing shit. i'm f- <laughs> what a little bit. It was putting it down and very windy and cold. So I took a waterproof. <laughs> that quickly irritated me. I mean, I took great pleasure from reading <laughs> your feedback. And, you know, runners come to me with goals, right? So they have different goals they want to achieve. And that's great. And I love kind of facilitating their journey and helping them on it, overcome the obstacles. But it's also really important to me that runners enjoy their relationship with running. They enjoy it. I'm not convinced we've ticked that box with you. It concerns me. It concerns me. It was the waterproof was the main thing as well. That was the, you know, I I dragged the tree off my car. I'm like, oh, no, look at the damage on my car. And then I'm going for a run. And it was the waterproof that broke the camel's back. Because, as you know, as a non-running guy, I don't go on many runs. However, it was throwing it down, like, properly. And I was like, it was almost like I was trying to be ridiculous by going out in just a T-shirt. So I thought, I'd better put a waterproof on. And like like that, like that describes, it did quickly irritate me. What do you do when it's raining? I mean, what do you do? Uh, let me ask you as a running guy, you know, what, I see people running in waterproofs. In all honesty, do you really want to know what I do? Yeah. I get wet. Really, yeah. That's the best thing to do. Yeah, because I dropped the waterproof off. I, I, I worked the route out. I came back home, dropped, dropped the waterproof off and um, looked at the scratch on my car again and then set off again. <laughs> I see this a lot from my guys with their feedback on their sessions when obviously they're running in wet weather and it's unavoidable that, oh, I started with a waterproof and I got hot and had to strip it off. The problem is there's always, and obviously, you know, technology has advanced and, and improvements in clothing and all that sort of stuff and technical fabric, but there is a trade-off, you know. It's either stay stay dry or stay cool. You know, where are you? Because for something to be fully, fully, fully breathable and fully waterproof, I think you're going to struggle with that and you'll probably find that you'll end up overheating because it's been relatively mild as well, hasn't it? It's not been a brutally cold wind. Certainly down here in Winchester where we are, it's not brutally cold so then to have a waterproof on it's got to be pretty bad for me but one thing i do think is worth doing is start off in a waterproof obviously your body temperature is pretty low when you first start off running even if perhaps not if you're dragging trees off cars i i I take that (laughs) but if under under normal circumstances if you're quite cool before you even set off 
put the waterproof on if it's raining, jog down the road, maybe five, ten minutes, something like that, turn around, jog back. You're back at home. You've done around 20 minutes of, of easy running, jogging, so you, you're warming up nicely. Then you can make the decision, do I keep the jacket or do I ditch it? Because you don't find that that way, that you're, you're miles away from home and you're overheating, then you're taking it off, it's irritating you, like you said, Pete. You're tying it around your waist. It's just a nightmare. And another little tip for you, something that I do, is if you organise your run so you end up doing loops, let's say it's a longer run, for example, you, you don't want to be wet for a long time. If you organise your run in loops where you pass the starting point, that might be home or wherever you parked up, wherever you're starting from, you have the option to potentially switch tops or actually a a a wardrobe change, as it were. You know, I've done that before where I've left another long sleeve top in the boot of my car or in the the house or wherever I'm running from. And if I feel I need to, if I'm really soaked and I've still got about 40, 45 minutes left, let's say, then I can just stop the watch, you know, pause, have a quick change and then crack on again. And it just helps you to stay a little bit more comfortable for longer. That works. But the other scary thing as well now is that I'm starting to plan future runs. And as a run, non-running guy, Jake, I can't do that. That's wrong. What's wrong? What's happened to me? There you go. You're allowing yourself to be influenced. This is perfect timing. Oh. Allow yourself to be influenced by our next guest. Let's get Holly Stables on the show. For the show notes and video content, go to runningwithjake.com forward slash podcast. Running with Jake, the podcast. I'm super excited to introduce today's guest. I'm actually a little bit nervous to introduce today's guest. It's going to be fine. It's going to be fine. It's going to be absolutely fine. The issue is, Jake, obviously, you know, we, we, we're we normally mm. the most experienced broadcasting people in the room. <laughs> not but today. not today. By a so, long shot. Let's I know. introduce today's guest. Let's get her on. It is none other than XGB athlete turned, are you ready for this? Mountain slash ultra slash trail runner. I want to be asking her all about that. She's also the community manager for ASICS UK front runner, a running coach and co-host of Marathon Talk. Lots going on. Was I didn't know how to say that. I must admit. Holly, listen, it's great to have you on the show today. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. It's lovely to be here. I've got to ask you, and you're probably sick of people asking you, I can't believe you stopped the show. What's going on? Marathon talk. What am I going to listen to during my long runs now? I mean, we can't listen to our show. We get sick of our own voices. <laughs> we listen to marathon talk. I'm just gutted, man. I think you'll be fine. There's a million other running podcasts. Hence, when we started, we were the only one. Mm, and uh, sort of pioneering Tom and Martin who started it but yeah I mean it's 12 years 12 years of talking about running talking about athletics and talking about ourselves you know it's some all good things have to come to an end and I think it came to a natural end to be honest so I think it was the right time when people aren't running they want to talk about running that's the bottom line do you actually prefer being interviewed or do you prefer being the interviewer or do you not mind good question well, it depends who I'm interviewing. So, like, throughout the years I was on the show, which was about four years, I interviewed quite a lot of people. Um, and I interviewed some really interesting people, some really cool people. But equally, and I won't name any names, but some people were quite hard to interview. <laughs> and uh, you probably find that, where, you know, it's a bit like getting blood out of a stone. And when you interview people like that, I think also if you have, like, a rapport with someone, it's it comes through as well in the interview. I think you can tell, can't you? Um, so, so I would say 95% of the time I loved interviewing, but sometimes it was quite hard work. So, um, but equally, I like being interviewed because I like to talk. Absolutely. When Jake asked that question, I thought, depending on the, the answer, if you said, I really like interviewing, I thought, well, you know, as producer, I can step up and I can go, actually, you can introduce Jake. But then what you did is you said you like it when you're introdu- when you're interviewing interesting people. And then I thought, oh, no, now we're stuffed because... <laughs> 
you've not got any other interesting people in the room, I'm afraid. There's the sticking point. <laughs> I don't believe that. I, I, I knew you were going to be a great guest, Holly, when we exchanged a few messages and you said, uh, yeah, happy to talk about anything. I was like, that's cool. That's how we roll on this show. And I do want to ask you about your running, actually. But just staying on, on Marathon Talk for a moment, if I can, obviously super experienced with that. Are there any guests that really stand out for you that you did have great rapport with? And actually, you know, they gave you some really kind of uh, great nuggets of info, some advice, some motivation. Have you got any guests that really kind of stand out? Um, yeah, I mean, obviously, uh, it's, this is, I'm sort of guessing I'm a bit biased, but I, like my favourite guests were obviously people that I knew because I had a rapport with them and I knew sort of what to get out of them. I mean, obviously, my great mate, Steve Way, I always loved speaking to him because, you know, we're good friends and I think that came across and you can be much more open and he's a very open book anyway. So I loved um, speaking to Steve. Um, and I also just love speaking, oh, Rini, who's a good friend of mine as well, getting great information about, you know, like fueling, about looking after yourself, about women's health, about Red S and everything like that. And I spoke to a lot of elite athletes. They're probably my least favourite to interview because I always wanted to get like a nugget of something different about them. You know, I wanted to get, I wanted someone to say something different like what do you have for breakfast it was always like porridge mm. or something i just wanted someone to say something completely nuts Cocoa pops. or you know yeah or or, or, or like or, or or someone did different stuff i mean actually saying that though a couple of the girls that i interviewed who've done very low oh steph davies as well very low mileage you know mm. really bucked the trend of what a lot of people are doing i love speaking to people like that it's when you speak to the same people and just do the same sort of stuff and you know, it's fine, it's great, but it's so lovely to hear, you know, you want a Usain Bolt, don't you, to come out and say, well, actually, I go clubbing on a Saturday night and eat chicken nuggets. <laughs> Stuff like that. It's just like, oh, I can relate to that, as opposed to someone who does everything, ticks the box, goes to bed at eight, has porridge for breakfast, has a massage, has a nap. Totally get that. You mentioned there Steph Davies. It's, it is really interesting because she's very much, you know, at the forefront of things now, talking all about the cross-training and not doing, like, super, super, super high mileage. You're very experienced, obviously, as an ex-GB athlete, Holly. What's your view on on cross training is it something back in your day that you did lots of you know when you were competing european champs and commonwealth did you do any cross training you're smiling or was it all about the running good god cross training no we didn't do cross training i would run as many miles as i possibly could <laughs> until i was utterly exhausted um obviously it was completely mad i mean i think going back to steph and the cross training and stuff like that and, and what girls and people do today I think that one way of training doesn't always fit everyone and genuinely there are people who do better on high mileage and that when I say high mileage that could be a lot of volume of um, endurance running so so low intensity running and they might just do lots of rep sessions they may not even do very much in between sort of tempo stuff there's lots of ways to sort of skin a cat and, and I think that we all think there's a certain way of doing it. So back in the day, we all did... Back in the day, I mean, it's still the same, but I mean, it was Tuesday nights was track, Thursday night was like tempo runs, Saturday was hilly fartlek or cross country, Sunday was long run. And you just repeated that. And that would pretty much be your bread and butter. And I think that now there's so many different things happening. The, the club scene is still very vibrant, but there's also the whole crew scene where people just go out and they they run and they and they run easy and they go for a beer and you know especially in trail running and even in in, in London you know you've got tribe and the city groups who just go out and run and I think times have changed with that. But I think in terms of cross training, high mileage, I think that everyone does it slightly differently. And I think and also the other thing, and I think about this a lot. I think that Instagram has a lot 
to do with this. I think the problem is we look at what everyone else is doing and think, you know, that's what we should be doing. Back in the day, we just did what we were sort of told to do by our coaches or what we read about or what we read in Athletics Weekly, which came out every Thursday. We didn't know what everyone else was doing. So I think it's massively confusing for people now. And so to answer your question, cross-training, no, I didn't do any cross-training. I just ran loads of miles until I broke. Then I would cross-train loads until I could run again. While I was cross-training, I'd be like, I must do more of this. Mm. And I must do strength <laughs> training because this is going to, what's going to stop me from getting injured. As soon as I could run again, that all went out the window. And I started running miles and miles and miles. You know, looking back, what what would you do differently? Would you do anything differently in, in reflection? You must have spent, you know, a lot of time kind of looking back at over your achievements and stuff. What, what would you do differently now, do you think, with the knowledge that you have? The thing for me was I was so inconsistent and consistency is key uh, we're all going to get injured at times and that could be through running or falling over the dog or tripping up something or getting ill or sick like I sound now but we're all that's all going to happen but if it keeps on happening which I was happening to me I was getting a lot of stress fractures never got any pulled muscles never did anything to tendons it was all fractures or being run down if that keeps happening you're never really going to move on you're because if you get a stress fracture one or two a year which was happening to me that's half of your year not running so you do you will make gains but it's going to take you a hell of a long time and so for me i would have well i would change so much would i change would i have done at the time if someone told me i don't know i'd still think i've got to run you know it's very easy to say in hindsight but would i still have changed it i would definitely have got a proper strength program i know i bang on about it now but that's been the biggest change for me um would I have run less miles? I probably would, just because I wouldn't have had so much time because I'd be in the gym doing strength training. I would have tried to still run a lot of miles. I still run a reasonable amount of miles now, but I swap some of those... Well, I don't, don't run twice a day. I swap that second session for a gym session a few times a week. So I would definitely have done the cross-training. I would have given much more emphasis to my recovery, and that's nutrition, eating the right foods, and sleep. I mean, you don't need all these fancy contraptions for recovery you don't need a foam roller you know i'm gonna get everyone getting at me like this you don't need a foam roller you don't need those blow up things you put on your legs you don't need an ice bath you just need a good pillow you need earplugs that keep noise out and you need some good food and lots of carbohydrates so get a good kip get lots of food and you're sorted you know people that are pretty time poor holly like you must have come across this with coaching people what's sort of your advice how, how you know if somebody says well how, great but i haven't got time to like fit some strength work in for example maybe in their mind they think they've got to do you know, three hours a week or something what's your how do you tackle that how do you break down that obstacle if people use time as a barrier people who run they love they run because they love running and so i get that um and also with your strength training with my strength training as well um, you always have to prioritise what your priority is, your main objective, and that's running. If you're a powerlifter, your main objective is lifting and maybe some running second, although you won't see many powerlifters running. Um, but if you're a runner and your objective is to run, that should be your main priority, the thing you do first and then you do your strength. But you still need, there is a place for it. And then there's the other thing that with the strength training or the gym, because um, a lot of the uh, training, well, definitely the coaching that I do, I do with Pete, my husband. So we coach together and he's a very, very good strength coach. So we do our programming together. So it's all concurrent. The, the, thing, that, um, the thing that is the hardest thing is when people come to us is they don't want to go to a gym, but you really do, unless you've got a home gym, we will not do any strength training if you've just got bands and maybe a kettlebell because that's conditioning. 
Um, but, you know, so you do need to learn to be going into gym. And so that's the thing, it's trying to get people, that's the people who come to us and they say, but I hate gyms or I hate going to the gym. That's what you've got to overcome because if you're always thinking that, then you'll never make it a lifetime thing. You know, like with running, like running is your passion, it's your lifetime, you're not going to change. Whereas if you do a strength plan, especially like if you're injured, you do it while you're injured, don't you? And then you stop it. Strength training needs to become a part of your life. And that's what's ha- happened to me. So I've made it a part of my life. But what I used to do was completely wrong. I would go into the gym and I'd be so sore afterwards that I couldn't run and I couldn't do the things that I wanted to do. So it's all about education and knowing what you're doing in the gym, how to lift, what to lift, how many reps. And so, for example, I, go to, I lift four times a week. You don't need to lift four times a week. You could do it twice a week. But if you, especially if you live four times a week, I'm in and out of there in half an hour. You don't need to be doing massive sessions. Um, and actually, it's quite a small volume. So, um, so, so it's just about educating people. And so it doesn't have to take you a long time. The only thing I would say is, obviously, if you live far away from a gym, that's quite time consuming. And therefore, with a lot of the people that we coach, which aren't that many, we don't coach that many people, um, they incorporate their run to the gym, like an easy run and lift and come back, or they do a session and then they go straight to the gym. So it's about making it a routine. So it's always the same. And also getting to love the gym, because if you don't love it, that's the hardest thing is trying to get you to do it. And that's the thing, you know, if someone really hates it and they don't want to do it, then it, they're not going to do it. We tend to, and my sort of background was personal training before I even got into running and stuff. So you can imagine, I see yeah, this a lot. Too. Oh, yeah. was it? Really interesting. And Yeah, and you, that, that was my job. Yeah. You can probably relate to this. You know, we bounce in a gym or wherever we're working and we're used to that environment. New clients that are perhaps new to the gym and new to us as clients, that they've not been in that environment before that domain. So it's building that confidence. And I often say that we tend to like things in life. And tell me what you think to this, Holly, that we feel we're dare I say, good at or okay at. My girlfriend's background's swimming, right? So she runs now through, you know, you influence each other, don't you, in relationships and whatnot, hopefully positively. So she runs now. I swim a bit, but I still don't love it, Holly. And guess what? I don't love it because I'm not that great at it. Whereas if I just make, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm hating it less, shall we say, because I feel like I'm making little steps. Because you're making gains. Progression. Yeah. So it's, it's encouraging that, isn't it? And I guess, I guess people have to stay with it for a short period of time to actually get to that stage, right? And, and that's the other thing with um, lifting or strength training, whatever you want to call it, is um, it does take time to see those gains. I and mean, we say to the clients that we work with, don't expect really anything for about a year because um, a lot of people think it's going to happen really quickly. It's not like doing um, fast reps because actually within a couple of weeks you'll see a difference. You won't really see that in um, lifting as such. Um, it depends what your what your priority is. If you want to build muscle or whether you want to get stronger, that's very different to how you look. You want to look differently or whatever. So um, it all depends on what, what you want out of the lifting. So you do need to make it, like I said, a routine and commit to it. But the other thing is that when you do start seeing those differences, um, so you will see maybe some definition coming after so many months. And when you do start seeing that, that's actually really... Um, motivating that's what I found and then once you get into that that's when things start to click so for me it was probably about four months I started to see changes and and the same with lifting it's the same with running you do have to load to progress there's no point this is the other thing I see so many people in gyms they just go in and put the same weight on everything they do same everything same and they never load it if you won't load it you won't progress so you need to keep adding you need to keep adding and then 
you know, like today I went, I was at the gym this morning doing um, leg workout and I added some more weight to the bar and it felt, I felt so much stronger because I've been really making an, you know, since Christmas, been really making an effort to try and increase my, um, my, my lower body strength. And I could see that today. And that was cool. That made, that gave me a buzz, you know, a buzz that I would never have thought I would have got from, from strength training. So I've, I definitely have fallen off with strength training. I've been doing it since 2018. But to be to be fair, I I went back to strength training because I was so disillusioned by being injured all the time. I just had enough. I just thought, I've got to do something. It wasn't even like, oh, I'll just give it a go. It was like, this is all in. I've got to do it now. Or my running career is over. Sometimes you need to reach that point, don't you? I won't say rock bottom, but you know what I mean? That significant point where you yeah, go, I've like had enough bottom. now. That's it. Yeah, I'm sure it did when you want to do what you want to do. And you, you've already mentioned Instagram and things like that where you, you we can easily be influenced and we're seeing people all the time doing stuff that perhaps we want to do. And then it's that constant reminder, oh, I'm not able to do what I want to do. It's like, right, I've had enough now. What do I do? Get in the gym, build some strength. And you mentioned kind of soreness and stuff like that earlier. If you are going to get into the, the gym and stuff, so people listen to this now that being inspired by what you're saying, great you know take action let's get you into a gym it's your environment you don't have to have had years of experience go for it but just you've got to build very slowly because you'll probably find that if you throw yourself into things it's a bit like doing an interval session isn't it you end up breaking yourself and then it could put you off oh i'm too sore for the next few days so therefore it's affecting my running or stuff that you know it's not for me and it is for you you just got to pitch it right haven't you yeah don't just walk into a gym and start lifting up barbells and stuff you do need to my advice our advice always is if you can book to see um a strength coach or a good pt or someone um and actually you can't go wrong with a good crossfit um instructor i'm not saying go to crossfit and do crossfit because that's a whole other rabbit hole that's high intensity that's different but a crossfit um coach strength coach would be fantastic they'll be able to show you the main the main moves you know they'll show you, you know they'll show you how to um deadlift how to squat deep squat front squat pull-ups etc like that so if you can see get someone to just check that you're doing those lifts correctly um and um and then that's a great start there you go get yourself involved progressively gently don't go mad don't get broken yeah. but get a no. get a strong and body. remember everyone's heavy is different so this is the other thing people go on and it's going oh like oh that person's like squatting 100 kg why am i only squatting 30 it, it everyone's strength is different everyone's one rep max is different or three max you know so you you, you it doesn't matter like my mum started strength strength um training she's 77 this year that's amazing and she started strength training last year with pete and she is doing leg pressing uh what's she leg pressing 70 kg now <laughs> um she's amazing <laughs> and she absolutely loves it and 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 the other thing for her is um and i and the other thing i'll say as well about myself and and women um women of a certain age over 40s or so i wanted to maintain a body shape you know and i felt that you know, my, your muscles, they felt like they were melting away. And I wanted to get back that feeling of strength. And, and that's what's, that's the other thing. It's made me feel much better about myself. And the same with my mum. Her mental health has improved massively. She does one strength session a week and she started walk running as well. So she does three walk runs a week. Wow. She's insane. <laughs> I know, she is amazing. Wow. And, um, and the biggest difference is not only does she hold herself differently. Oh, she had a, a back problem for years and that's gone. She's come off meds. But the biggest thing I've different seen I've seen in her is her mental health and just how she is. She's much more happy, outgoing, 
you know and and if it just does that then that's amazing isn't it oh absolutely yeah yeah do you know i've, I've just noted down uh, get mum to strength train because <laughs> yeah. um at the moment i'm taking her to the supermarket and man i'm carrying all the bags and old people yeah. i don't know how they eat so much stuff but they do and there are too many <laughs> bags and in the future i'm just thinking a little bit of strength training for my mum and um, she'll be carrying her own damn bags in no time at all well i mean unfortunately there's so many older people who end up in hospital from falls absolutely um, and if they could just do some strength work, and again, it doesn't have to be heavy, it's whatever they can lift with a, a good strength coach, um, you know, and you're never too old to start doing it. Mm. Never. No, Absolutely. Totally, yeah. Absolutely. That'll be my big sell to her. My big sell to her will be um, do some strength training and you won't fall over and you won't end up in hospital. But in reality, yeah. what I'm thinking is, and you'll be able to carry your own damn bags. <laughs> Exactly. Maybe don't mention that. Exactly. Bit. Keep that to yourself. <laughs> I'll keep that to myself. <laughs> I, I really like what you said there, though, Holly, about strength. You know, people listen to this probably, probably thinking some people for sure. Oh well, you know, I'm not that strong, or I can't lift this or lift that. Well, it's it's all relative. It's like speed, isn't it? How many times do we hear? Well, it's not. I'm not not fast, or it's fa- it's fast for me. You know, and it's like, well, actually, we've all got mm. our own goals, and speed is relative, just like strength. So I think you've got to get going. You've got to start and get on that train. You've got to start somewhere. You've got to start somewhere. Yeah. Build that momentum. Listen, I want to talk to you about your running right now so the stuff that you're into we know you've achieved some amazing stuff in the past i had a look at your uh, the Essex front runner website which is brilliant by the way we've got your spotify playlists on there and all the different events that you've done and that you are doing it's great i'm looking at these events thinking oh i don't know what that is i might have a look at that race that sounds interesting <laughs> uh, manchester marathon this year is this a target for you you working towards that i feel like i'm always just april for me it's just i don't train very well through the winter really? i'm much more of a summer yeah, summer train. Like, I always seem to do better in October races and November races. But, yeah, I mean, I've had this um, cold chest infection, whatever it is, since Christmas. So that, I have to say, has derailed me slightly. Um, but, yes, it has been an aim. But I'm, again, my confidence has been knocked over the weekend. I'd had a pretty terrible run. I mean, I will blame it on the weather. but um, mm. And I also was supposed to be racing last week in a half marathon in Dorset. And I couldn't because I was on antibiotics. I thought it was not a good idea to be doing stuff like that. So it, my plans have been scuppered slightly. I have been training and um, it has it is an aim for, my, for me, but it is a stepping stone for all the ultras I've got coming up for the rest of the year because, I mean, I haven't raced since Autumn 100, which was the end of October. Uh, I've done some park runs and stuff. I train marathon training pretty much all year round and then I get more specific towards the event. So, you know, I've got uh, some big ultras in the summer um, and, and I will be more specific as I get closer to them. But... Um, my aim for Manchester is probably not going to be achievable, but um, I still have it in my mind. For me, I, I seem to have... I'm still able to run reasonably fast for a long period, but you asked me to run a 5 or a 10k, and I pretty much run the same pace as I run a marathon. You know, I speak to your good friend Joe about this quite a lot, and uh, we feel that, you know, all our paces... <laughs> all my paces are the same, and, you know, it's just what happens as you get older. And if you've been training, you know, it's like... I coach people who are the same age as me and they're getting PBs, but they've not been running for 20-odd years and, you know, I PBs are, are long gone. It's, a, it's really inter- an interesting place. Uh, you know, talking to people like yourself, Holly, I, I genuinely find it fascinating because obviously the level that you were at, no longer looking at personal best, but obviously there's, there's all so many new challenges that we can set ourselves. I know you love the off-road stuff, which I want to ask you about, but when it comes to things like road runs and, and like road marathons, you know, we're talking about Manchester here... 
does it still excite you? Do you know what I mean? Can, can you, does it still fire you up? I and mean, I know you're pretty much always in marathon shape and you just fine-tune as you get you know more specific, close to the race, makes sense. But the whole age-graded thing, and the reason I ask this, I've mentioned this a few times on the show, Holly, I have my own sort of targets with marathons. I still Marathon's still my thing. I still sort of have you know a bit of a monkey on my back. I still want to target times, but I'm aiming at running still faster than I've ever ran. I don't know if it's possible. I'm getting older too. Is it possible? I don't know, but I'm going to try. So it's hard for me to know really whether age grading is something that does fire me up or will in the future. Does that make sense? I don't know. So tell me, how, how is it something that gets you going? It, get, it gets the dog going for sure. <laughs> Sorry, I was about to say. Sorry, there's a pigeon. There's a pigeon outside. Can you come back, please? Um, as we say in Marathon Talk, edit that out. Um, We're just going to put it on loop. Yeah, there's a so, pigeon. There's a pigeon. Yes. Well, what, you're, what you're forgetting is Marathon Talk is a much better show than this one, and we, we just can't be bothered with editing dogs out, especially when they're that entertaining. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, we never edited it out. Either. We got to um, no, back to the marathon thing. It's really a massive. I think it's a whole other podcast, to be honest, because there's so many things with it. Because obviously, marathon was my thing, mm. and um, and it's something over the years which has been has been a real struggle, if I'm honest. That I'm not anywhere near that level. Well, it's not. I'm not anywhere near it because I'm actually I'm not too far off it. All things considered, which. But but it, but it is going to get longer and longer. It's going to get longer. I'm going to get longer away from that. Those times I was running. So there's there's several things there. There's the the pride thing. You know, like how do I feel? I can understand why so many athletes are at their top level. They retire and they don't do those distances again. They don't or they don't run again. They don't compete. I get it because you're you're putting yourself out there and you're getting passed by girls. You know, younger than you, or whatever. And you you know, it's hard. It is hard. Mm. Um, and um, and I, 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 I've come to terms with it, I, but they're still, they're still inside of me a bit like, oh, you know, but I've come to terms with it because actually I coach a couple of girls who I am so, you know, excited about what they can do. And I've almost sort of transferred that, those feelings onto them because I'm really excited about seeing what they could do. Um, I don't look at age group times. That's as awful as it, because I go into another age group this year, up another level. And um, I don't really look at those. Well, I took, no, I did. I looked I looked at the UK record with my age group. And I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> what the bleep? I was like, because I was thinking, oh, maybe I could get in there. No way. I, it's quicker than my PB. <laughs> so, um, you know, I think it's, I don't know who it is. Is it Veronique or somewhere or Joyce Smith or something? It's just that incredible time. So I was like, right, I have to wait till I'm in my 50s age groups. <laughs> so, um, so I do, so, so age groups, I don't even think about that. Yeah, I still just want to run as fast as I can. The other thing is I look at some of the times I've ran the marathons over the last couple of years. I ran... London in 248 then the one before 245 which wasn't too bad really and I'd done four in a row to get to that 245 over seven weeks um when I did London just gone that was a couple of weeks before the 100 and I had been training for 100 mile so the fact I ran 248 and 100 mile build up I was like actually do you know what I'll take that that's pretty good but in the build up to all of those all the half marathons I'd done I'd done at exactly the same pace as the marathon I'd done so work that out so I doubled the marathon time, I was able just to keep going, but I couldn't run any faster. So the problem is I go and do, I'll go and do, say if I went and did a half marathon now, I'd probably run slower than I'd run the marathon in. It makes no sense. So therefore I can never really gauge what I'm going to run in a marathon. All I know is that when I get into a marathon, and I don't know what it is, whether it's experience or what it is, but I can just run hard and hang on to it. I think the last three or four marathons I've done... I've negative split or been exactly the same pace throughout. 
this is going to blow up in my face in Manchester, I know, and I'm going to run a ridiculously slow time. And so I sort of have that in the back of my mind, you know, even though the training hasn't gone that well in this build-up, that I'll be just like, do you know what, I'll just hang on. And I'm also horribly stubborn, so I will just grind it out. But that is going to, that will finish at some point. And at that point, and this is something I've been tussling in my head actually this year, you know, should I be actually really concentrating on the longer stuff now? Because that's sort of my prime now. And if I keep trying to do marathons and faster road stuff, will I lose that opportunity in the sort of 50 miles to 100 mile? Do you know what I mean? I, I know. So it's actually quite an interesting time. I know exactly what you mean. And I, I, I love what you said there. It was a, a kind of a bit of a, a throwaway phrase, or you may have thought it was, uh, run as fast as I can. You know, we're always talking or we hear about being really specific with goal setting and times and this and that. And, and that's great. And it makes sense. And what do you want to achieve? And you plot the path backwards and all that sort of stuff. But actually, if your aim is always, if you're performance focused, if your aim is always to run as fast as you can, it's always going to be potentially realistic because, OK, there isn't a specific time attached to that. You have to give it one. But it doesn't matter if you're slowing down as you get older. The aim is to run as fast as you can based on where you are and perhaps all the other things you've got going off in life as well, because that's important. You know, I often say that to some of my runners, that maybe they can only run three times a week for a marathon or four times a week. Well, that's just what it is. So you need to set your target and ambitions and manage your expectations based on the reality. I think it's really important. And I love the fact I can almost see the cogs turning as I ask you that question and you were talking to me there, Holly, about you're still kind of formulating all this in your mind. And and the whole, well, now's a key time. I get that. That's why I'm still staying with marathons at the moment because I feel now is the time. I'm 44 yeah. next month. You know, it's yeah. like now or almost yeah. never. What is it you love about trails yeah. and the long stuff? And where did that start for you? As a roadrunner, I hated any trail running or cross country. I did cross country, but I hated it. So um, I don't really know how I went from... Well, I do know, but it's a, a whole other story. But basically, I did get into trails. I've done really technical stuff, which I'm not good at. I will never be good at because I haven't done it all my life. But, um, but, I, I, but I'll give it a crack. The longer stuff, I always knew I would be good at longer stuff. I mean, it shows just in the marathons that I'm able to run a long period of time and I don't really slow down. But if you ask me to run a little bit faster, I just couldn't do it. So I felt that, yeah, let's just try, let's run a bit further and see what happens. So Comrades was my first sort of big ultra on the road. Wow. And and that felt that felt a long way, 90K. Um, little did I know that in a few years time, I'd be doing 100 milers, which is a very much further. Yeah, I mean, I fell in love with it. It was hard. I think the hardest thing was not, um, you know, not what, looking at your watch because as a road runner, you're always looking at split times, how fast you are. And you have to take that out of your mind because, you know, in some races you're doing a mile in like 20 minutes so um, if you're doing mountain stuff so you have to take that out and actually so it's actually it's less stressful because of that because you're not clock watching it's literally about some of these races you know like UTMB or you know the big races it's not about what time you're going to do or where you're placing it's about whether you're going to finish you know so or getting to the next checkpoint so it's a whole different mental mental game and um and I and I genuinely love that feeling of, I just love that feeling of total fatigue when you've really <laughs> rinsed yourself. I thought you were going to say like scenery or this is just like total fatigue. Oh, to be fair, I just want to the, <laughs> collapse. The second half of a hundred miler or the last twenty-five mile of a hundred miler, you got you can't see anything. You're just hallucinating most of the time, <laughs> or you know, looking at the floor. You know, just watching your feet, just you know, to get get to the end. You know, when I did autumn one hundred and I was following Gary. A pacer. 
I just looked at my feet the whole time. And then at one point I saw the bridge at Goring and I was like, Gary, Gary, is that the bridge? Is that the bridge? And he was like, I've got to be honest, I can't tell exactly. And I was like, what? What? And then he was like, no, it is. It's Goring. It's the bridge. And I was like, ah. You know? I don't, so it's, it's totally different. I don't know how well you're selling the uh, long distance stuff. I'll be honest with you. <laughs> I think I said that in, I think I talked about Autumn 100 on Marathon Talk or something and, James Elson, who's a race director, messaged me after he goes, yeah, great podcast, but I don't think you were selling the event very well. I was like, oh God, I'm really sorry because it's an amazing event. It's yeah. just that I was, you know, no, hallucinations bombing. and complete pain are fine. They're really good. It's a positive. That's in the mountain stuff. I mean, if you start hallucinating in flat ones, you're probably in trouble. But, um, <laughs> in yeah, it's, yeah it's, part of the, it's part of the fun, isn't it? It is a completely different ball game, and I'm not speaking through experience. I'm speaking through listening to people like yourself. We've had many different guests on the show. We had Damien Hall I know you've had on a few times and he talks about these hallucinations and and that whole relationship with the watch thing you know when you get into this sort of stuff as you know so well you're very much in the moment I'm guessing here Holly and tell me what you think to this because you've mm. got to take into account this whole energy management thing isn't it and how hard am I working you talk about yeah. 20 minutes up a hill and you've got to take the conditions into account whereas with something like a road marathon it's pretty much wet or dry <laughs> you know it might be hilly or not Yeah, exactly. so much more yeah. to kind of look at and consider do you enjoy that challenge of the long off-road stuff you know the different elements that you don't have to focus on so much when you're doing the road stuff yeah i definitely like it's the unknown um whereas with a marathon you know you know you're going to finish unless something really bad happens um or you go into the race with a bit of a niggle or something then that's not so great um and questionably should you be doing it but with an ultra yeah you just don't really know what's going to happen um be that well, 50k is slightly different, but like a yeah, a big ultra, like 100k or 100 mile, anything could happen. You could have, you no, you can't. You're not going to have an amazing day. You're always going to have like real low points. You have to accept that. But you have to accept that when you have a low point, you can come out of that, and you will have a high point. And that's a problem. I think a lot of people drop out in those low points because they can't remember that they're going to have a good, hopefully, have a good patch. Unless I always say to um, my crew or anyone who's out there on the course, you know, don't allow me to stop unless, you know, something falls off or, you know, or snaps. Um, you know, if I complain that I'm feeling sick or something, then just, you know, I'd need to try and eat or try and drink. Um, so it's it's the unknown. I think it's the unknown. It's, yeah, you know there's going to be bad patches. It's just how you deal with them. And the other thing I find is that I always think about how I'll feel at the finish if I don't finish. It's different with a marathon because you know you're going to finish and you'll be disappointed because the time isn't right or you'll be pleased because the time is right. That's basically what it is, isn't it? Or unless you, or if you place, if you're at that sort of level. That's all there is, really. With an ultra, there are so many different things at the end that can be a positive. Mm. The fact that you've got to the finish with an ultra, there's just so many other things to it. You just keep going forward and anything could change because you could actually be in last and then you could podium at the end. That's the th- that's the great thing about these long ultras, especially. It's very different. Or FKT. It's different with FKTs, you know, because obviously you have got a time. But or, or long courses and stuff like that. So it is totally different. When I was marathon running in the well, I started in the late nineties. 
ultra running wasn't really it was a thing but it was for weird people you know <laughs> sort of <laughs> skinny men with long hair they were happy yeah. to keep going <laughs> if things fell you know? off they just kept going they yeah. didn't wimp out you know it was yeah. like what weird people did or people who just weren't very fast so they just do ultras you know and and it's totally changed you know it has totally changed and and it's become a, a big thing and trail running i mean there wasn't trail running when i was running that was cross country or fell running mm. you know you speak to a lot of the old guys and they'll be like old guys you know people you know, who were running in the 80s, 70s, 80s, they were like, oh, trail running, it's, it's, what is that? You know, it's just cross-country or it's foul running. Um, so it, it's a whole different thing, and I can see why people love it, because it's less stressful, it's all about... It's all about being out somewhere lovely as well, isn't it? That's the other thing. For me, I went to road marathons, and I really didn't care where they were, as long as it was completely flat. I knew the weather was probably going to be about right, sort of 10 degrees. Completely flat, good weather, and I knew there'd be good... Um, uh, depth in the race that I'd be able to run with people and that was my aim and if that was in Rotterdam or if it was in Latvia then that's where I'd go and I wouldn't spend any time looking around the place because I'd be sitting in my room my legs in the air whereas trail and ultra is a whole different thing it's a whole different scene you know um, and so I think that's that's the that's the thing it's it's about um, when you're racing it's just about um, it's less pressure in terms of time in terms of watch it's just about the completing it and the journey to completing it do you still get nervous about these events though holly and if you do is it over different things than it would be if it was like a classic road marathon or, or is, do you feel that there's a lot more pressure off yeah i mean i'm always i'm still really competitive inside but when you're road racing you're i'm more competitive with other people Whereas with ultras, like big, like long ultras, I'm not really competitive with other people, maybe. I'm competitive with myself and the distance. Like, say, for UTMB. Saying that, though, I mean, I did the ham and lime 100k last year. And, you know, I, I look now, which is, which is what I love, I look at course records and I look at, like, men's times. So a couple of races last year, I came, I won them outright. Mm. And for me, that was like, oh, this is good. <laughs> and so I'm looking at, you know, so the, I did the Hammer Lime last year and I and I won it and I beat some really good male ultra runners actually, which was quite I was quite pleased about, probably because they took some wrong turns, but that's their fault. <laughs> um, and um, but I was just outside the man's course record, so I'm like, I'm going to go back and I'm going to try and get the man's course record. That's my thing now. So it's yeah, you just change your, I just change my goals in in that in that respect so if i go to manchester marathon i know i won't come anywhere in the top 10 probably but it's for me it's just about running a time that i'm happy with and as running as fast as i can and that's all it is have you done manchester um, re- did you do it last year because they've changed the course a little bit haven't they <laughs> did it a couple of years ago 2019 i think can i ask you what your target is are you happy to share that or so it was i wanted to go under 245 um but i don't i i would be very very pleased with that but i guess i just want to go faster than the last marathon i ran which was the one just in october and i ran 228.01 or something or two so if i can go faster than that then i i would be pleased but yeah i mean i'd love to go under 245 so i did london last year and then just before the pandemic i did um barcelona in 248 i think did i then i went to manchester which was two weeks later or something i did 248 then I went to Paris and I paced someone to three hours something and then two weeks after that I went to London and I ran 245 so that was in like some weeks and it was you know I was really just racing around and had a very busy time in my life 
And so I was like, oh, so when I ran that 245 London, I was like, oh, maybe I could run a bit faster, but that's two years ago now. So it's exciting. Um, I don't it's know. exciting. Look, we've got to get you back fit and healthy, first of all. I mean, you mentioned not feeling amazing since Christmas. <laughs> yeah. so, is it affecting training that, massively? That's you... part of the problem. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I can't breathe. <laughs> a sticking point. Yeah, now, that isn't breathing it? is a real issue. Yeah. Are, are you still able to train and stuff, Holly? Are you, are you are you making positive steps? I wouldn't say I'm making positive steps. I am training. Yeah. My symptoms at the moment are just very asthmatic which is not great. I'm actually waiting for a chest x-ray. It's not, it's not great. I mean, I probably shouldn't be doing all of this, but so like last week I didn't do any sessions because I was on antibiotics. So I did a session on Friday and I'll do some sessions this week and see how I am. I'm okay running easy. It's just when I'm really pushing it, I've just got to be a bit, a bit careful and I have got to be sensible. So sure. yeah, it's just what it is. And, and so, I mean, I could see myself, if it doesn't improve, I could see myself either not doing Manchester, being horribly sensible, or potentially, I have got quite. A f- I've got a few people I coach who are going for sub three at Manchester, and I love doing that. I mean, I paced someone last year actually at Shepherdine um, to uh, sub three, so I'd love to do that. So I so potentially, if I don't do Manchester like f- as fast as I can, I'll try and do sub three. So p- if I do do that, I'll put something on social media because if anyone wants to join in who's going for like 2.55, 2.56, then I'm happy to tow people around to that, she says, as long as she can breathe. Love it. <laughs> Amazing. It's so rewarding, isn't it, pacing people and getting the joy from seeing <laughs> other people's achievements. I've loved that. It's actually quite tiring, isn't it? You've got to be on it, sort of checking in with how they're feeling and pacing and all that sort of well, stuff. Well, it's also slightly terrifying when you stand in the line. It's when I did Shepardine, I was like, oh, hang on a minute. Can I actually do this? Yeah, no, it's, it's fine. <laughs> Um, but it is, yeah, no, it is ama- It is lovely. It is rewarding. Just even a part run, like running with a friend. If you've got a friend who wants to break 25 minutes or something or 30 minutes and running with them, um, and it makes such a difference to people to to be paced, actually. I mean, I will put my hands up. I am the worst drafter, and I tell all my clients, like, oh, my God, just sit on people because <laughs> apologise at the end, especially if it's... <laughs> like, if I've got a load of guys in front of me and they're running the right pace and I can sit behind them, then I will. I will. I'm sorry. I just will if it's a windy day. Massively um, helps. I will, massively you know, helps. It does massively help. You cannot, do not underestimate a couple of guys or, or people around you. It really makes a difference. And that's why doing these bigger marathons, say, like, I will always advise people I coach, like, try to not do, you know, like, Dewsbury Marathon or something, whatever, if there is one. <laughs> Go and do, like, you know, Manchester, London, Brighton, or something like that, somewhere where you have got depth. Because... It's a bit of a lonely old run if you're trying to smash out a marathon on your own, sub three or whatever it is, and you've got no one around you. If you can run with people, then um, it makes a hell of a difference. Well, I'm, I'm going to save you in my uh, favourites on my phone, Holly. Manchester's a little bit early for me. I am doing Manchester Marathon. My dream is oh, to break okay? three hours. I, I really want to break three Ooh. hours. I still believe it's possible. But I think Manchester's a bit too soon for me. I don't think I'm going to be ready for that. So I'm going to have to... I'm going I'm to hit you up and you can pace me, hopefully, at some point in... Where, where is it? Jew, Jewsbury Marathon or something? No, not not there. <laughs> not there. Listen, it's been amazing chatting with you. Seriously, I wish you all the luck in the world to get yourself back fully fit so you can smash all these sessions and the long roughs, the long stuff, the trails and whatnot. I do have one more question for you, Holly. Are you ready for this question? We ask all of our guests this question, by the way. Like everybody, we can't leave you out. Oh, it sounds like marathon talk. So is it quick fire where I've got to do the answer straight away? Like, first thing that comes No, to take your time, man. You can chill but out. Oh, so good. But, oh, OK. Yeah, yeah. But no don't pressure. repeat. We, no pressure. We actually had one guest who went to a book <laughs> and got a quote from it. it that did. blew me away. He did. But hang on. I'll just get a book. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Holly.
this has been a pleasure talking to you on the show today. We have one last question for you. We ask all of our guests this question. This is your weekly dose of running motivation. <laughs> what does the word motivation mean to you? Getting up in the morning. I mean, it's a is start, that really bad? isn't it? It's a start. It's getting getting up in the morning and um, just getting out the door, whether that's running, walking the dog or whatever. I mean, sometimes that's hard enough just to do that. So just getting up and doing something. There you go. Is that really bad answer? You know, what are people no, saying? No, no, I think that's a good answer. I think that's a good answer. And I think there was a moment where you answered it and you said getting up in the morning. Then there was a moment of, uh, like, insecurity. And then you felt you had to expand on it. And now we're <laughs> having to... You sound like I was, like, a depressive person <laughs> <I know>. or <laughs> something. <laughs> like, oh, God, she no. really struggles to get up in the morning. I think that's a great answer. I think hey, it's a look, good answer. If you get up in the morning, you've won the day. Simple as that. Holly, listen, it's been amazing. Look after yourself. Catch up soon. <laughs> Thank you. Running with Jake, the blog. Podcast. So did Holly influence you? Feeling all inspired? Ready to rock? As a non-running guy, that would be uh, a no. Even though, when I think back to my school report, I used to get phrases on there like, Peter is easily influenced by other children. So my mum would always say, you're too easily influenced. As it turns out, you know, when we're talking about running, I'm not particularly influenced, I must say. But, great guest... <laughs> Great to have her on the show. I'd like to hear more from her as well. She's got so much to, t to talk about. Well, this is nice for me to hear that you are feeling a little bit inspired and you're starting to feel more <laughs> comfortable with the whole running thing. And I did mention your very colourful feedback earlier on the sessions that I set you, and it, it is colourful and it maybe does need a little bit of tweaking. However, there are some positive words and phrases that you use on some of your runs. Phrases like, I just blasted I blasted down this road I mean that's a technical term I'm sure that's what the great marathon runners do they just blast about there's a couple of references to <laughs> legging it and pegging it which I quite like not done that since school I'm just waiting until you refer to uh, bombing about a bit did a bit of bombing about I bombed down here because I used to bomb around as a kid a lot I don't, I don't do much bombing anymore, but I think it's a good positive term, good way to run, good way to get about. To be honest, I think I probably did bomb at points during my um, strides the other day. <laughs> it was a bit of bombing. Well, hopefully this show doesn't bomb. One thing I can tell you is we have had another Patreon. We've had a Patreon. They reached out to me directly now. This is good. This is on Instagram, so if you want to search for Running With Jake on Instagram, if you want to follow what I'm up to on there, you can do that on the old Instagram platform. But Gemma Williams, I'm certainly giving you a shout-out and a lot of love. I love what Gemma says as well she she said absolutely love the podcast it motivates me beyond belief beyond seriously belief. keeps me going beyond belief i don't believe it no she's lying she's lying god damn it <laughs> she's lying she's lying we demand a recount <laughs> Gemma. thank you very much you're very kind you are absolutely Gemma. very kind indeed loads and loads of love and lots of love to jeff as well jeff livingston has um he's upped his donation which is I, it blows me away when people actually wow. give us stuff for doing this show. It just surprises me because we're just sat here, you know, in our bedrooms having a laugh, really, pretty much. But uh, but no, thanks very much, Jeff. And if you would like to help out and if you'd like to, um, you know, put a few, a few pounds into the uh, running of the show, then feel free to do that. We'd love you to. It's um, runningwithjake.com forward slash podcast uh, you'll see all the notes from all of the episodes loads and loads of stuff on there but also at the top there's a big Patreon banner so just click on that and each week on the show we take one of your running related questions and I help you to get the most out of this amazing sport it is hashtag ask Jake 
Today's question comes from Michael, who does quite a lot of heart rate-based training, but he has noticed some variation in his heart rates for very similar sessions, and he wants to know why this could be. Michael, I'm a big fan of heart rate training myself, but I do think it's very important to also consider how the effort and the session actually feels, that rate of perceived exertion. And the reason I say this is because although heart rate is a very accurate way to train, there are some considerations and things that can influence our heart rate. For example, caffeine can cause a spike in the heart rate, so it's important to be aware of how much coffee you might drink before certain sessions. Emotional stress can really influence our heart rate as well. That can cause a spike in our heart rate if it's particularly warm when you're running or if you're running a hilly course versus a flat course that you may have ran the week before. Even how much food you eat before you get out the door and run can alter the beats per minute of your heart rate. So just be very mindful of this the next time you are out there and maybe look at patterns across the course of several weeks with heart rate and that will help you to build a bit more of an understanding as to what works for you and the things that might influence your heart rate. I hope that helps. If you've got a question, then it's hashtag AskJake or you can drop us an email at podcast at runningwithjake.com. That brings us to the end of another episode of Running With Jake, the podcast. If you are new to our show and this is the first time you've ever listened to an episode, we do have a huge back catalogue, so make sure you listen back and check out everything that we've been up to. Realistically, that's not going to happen, though, is it? Surely. I mean, because you're right, we do have a big back catalogue. There's like 112 past shows, plus all the quickie ones as well. So probably about 200 shows, really. Realistically, the best will in the world. No one's actually going to start at show one and then catch us up, are they? Is, would that would that ever happen? I don't know. I, 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 think, I think people do. Seriously, I think we would I suppose it's manageable. It's like 45, 50 minutes, you know, 35, 35 to 45 minutes pretty much generally. You know, it's, it's pretty it's pretty condensed, I guess. One of my runners actually messaged me um, saying that they're catching up on, on, on the podcast, on all the episodes. I'm like, bearing in mind, regular listeners to the show will know that I send out a lot of voice messages, a lot of voice messages to my runners to motivate them and give them feedback and all that sort of stuff. And I'm thinking, gosh, this runner's just going to leave. She's not going to want coaching from me anymore. She's listened to my voice on the podcast, like catching up on all these like 200 episodes and she's getting like yeah. regular voice messages from me this is not going to go down well is it i'm going to be a runner short i'm going to be a runner short it's going to happen i'd love to be a fly on the wall when you send her a voice message and she's like oh no he's doing it's more it's more of him oh god actually this is very true by the way this is very true so uh, kirsty who uh is doing amazing by the way, I sent her a message this morning. I've got it here. 7.39, I sent her a seven-minute message, okay? Why? Uh, yeah, How? I know. I just what? needed to. I was up. I was on it. I just popped in my head. I'm giving her some advice for this weekend and whatnot. And uh, I actually apologised at the end that, that, look, I'm sorry this is such a long message. And she sent me a message back saying that was a good chunk of my commute, so it's okay. There you go, you see. You have coaching with me. We keep you company on your daily commute. Surely, Kirsty, if you've got any sense there at all, you were listening to that on two-speed and turned Jake into a chipmunk. Well, whatever speed you choose to listen to the episode on we will be back next week for more running motivation until then stay safe don't get blown away oh and one more thing do we need to explain that we do a motivational quote at the end of every episode or does it not no we don't no 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 we don't no no people will get that that's fine you can't possibly know how much you can do until you try to do more.